and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read every chapter of Shonen Jump on Viz's website, as well as another volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And this week we read PTSD Radio because it's horror month. And when I googled horror manga, this was what came up. Yep, and I had literally never heard of it before. Neither had I. It's a digital-only release. It's got very weird, not great marketing. I don't really know how you would market this. Yeah, that, honestly, that, that's fair. But did you read the synopsis of the book when you picked it up? No. It's not really a synopsis. It's just some words. Okay. That are not really sentences either. It seems to fit the theme. Yeah. But we'll talk about that after Shonen Jump, which should go pretty quick because there's nothing I really want to talk about other than what we normally talk about. And Kevin just got back from his trip. Yeah. So he didn't pick anything. Nope. So we'll start with My Hero Academia number 246, Message. Boy, the anime sure is starting this week. Watch the anime, kids. Yep, although the anime is also in a spot <laughs> of like, hey, you remember what happened last time on My Hero? I'm like, yes, I do. Very well. Please put Sir Nighteye in this episode. I mean, he's in it. Just like <laughs> have him actually be there and not just like static, Im- not static, but just images of Nighteye. Look, but uh, Deku not being able to get to Aerie in the opening, that's fire. Yeah, that's that is great. good. Yeah, like, the opening was good. I really liked it. Uh, speaking of Aerie, her horn's growing back. Yeah. And I did like this uh, chapter, but boy, is it just, hey. So we have the continuation of the message that Hawks left to Endeavor. And then it's, I actually really, like, I thought it was kind of cool. The whole panel of, like, all the different students. And yeah. we have, like, the little snapshots of everything going on. And, like flashback snapshots kind of tossed into pictures of how people look and it all looked really cool it was just kind of like that's uh that's a cool image it's an incredibly uplifting chapter and to be fair from an art perspective this would have been goddamn murder to draw oh yeah because there are just so many panels with basically every character that's been in my hero academia yep problem is nothing really happens no it's like it, like I said, it's that continuation of the message that Hawks left to Endeavor, and then it's that basically six pages of panels of all the rest of the heroes and some other people tossed in. Like, it it all looks really cool, but it was like, and on to the next thing. Yep. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the message, by the way, is, hey, and uh, train up the reserves, basically. Yeah. Just in case we mess up. And Endeavor is like, I guess he means the kids? And yep. we see some nice stuff from Hawk's point of view where he's like, yeah, I'm young, I'm only 20, and I'm already number two, but I can already tell the next generation is also going to be, like, those quicker growers. Yeah. He's like, it's a really good thing that I stepped in to help Midoriya, Shoto, and Bakugo, because now they're going to be underestimated. Yeah. And they 100% had that. Yeah. Because Dobby was like, oh, those kids are punks, you, you know. You swooped in and saved the day, and Hawks was kind of like, "Yeah, no, they were they were totally fine. I just happened to be faster. Like they they obviously would have had that, but he doesn't tell Dobby that. No, he but that. he's thinking that you know, oh, they obviously would have had that. Like I'm glad that I swooped in so that they're still underestimated. Yeah, and there's this funny bit where the monarch is like, "Ah, oh, you're spreading the gospel to all the young children. You get it, unlike yep. all these other assholes who I decided to secede me." Yep. Twice comes in and he's like, I still don't understand the book. Could you read it to me? And Hawks is like, yeah, it's not that hard. Also, there's a good bit where the sidekickers are basically like, yeah, Endeavor's really busy. So he'll probably hang out with Shoto and not 
the two of you. Yeah, Bakugo is kind of pissed, and Shudder's like, I'll talk to him, because that's not the deal. But then Endeavor comes out after reading that and deciding to take Hawk's advice, and he's just like, you three with me. Yeah. Which is also a good panel. Yes. But again, nothing really happens. It's just feel-goods. Hey, yep. watch the anime. It's also just feel-goods, and these are who these guys are this week. But I like. I actually do kind of like it from an like strictly from an anime perspective. For the people who haven't been watching since well, last it, season, yeah, and wasn't didn't last season end like almost a year ago? Yeah, and yeah. and season three also had a similar opener. It's just from a season opening point of view. Yeah, that that's not a strong foot forward. It just like and also with the manga also being that it felt really. Yeah. Snake eating its own tail. If you're a My Hero Academia fan this week, uh, it's still ranked pretty high because those feels are good. Yep. Next, we have Demon Slayer Chapter 178, Even If You Reach Out Your Hand. Here's the game we're going to play. Jeremy read all these Friday and hasn't really slept well since then. So mm. he's just struggled to remember everything. I do remember liking this chapter. It's more flashback to the dead demon. It's the, it's the, I'm assuming the final flashback chapter because. Probably. The demon has fully disintegrated at this point. Like the final panel shows him completely disintegrating. So we've seen this with a lot of the other demons, like as they're disintegrating, when their heads being chopped off, they go through these flashbacks and it ends when they fully disintegrate. Yeah. Like I said, it's very important to the thematics of Demon Slayer. There's because it talks about how the reason your life flashes before your eyes is to try to figure out how to preserve yourself. Yeah. And we see with Tandro, he goes through a very similar situation at one point. Yeah. He becomes a super Saiyan. Yes, but I did like the kind of the redemption of the demon brother being like, I I couldn't stick with anything. And, you know, like just his regret at that. And I really like the last panel is showing the flute that he made for his brother that his brother took with him and carried with him till his dying day. And he had been carrying it around the whole time, too. And it had been cut in half because he got angry at his brother for dying before he could have a chance to fight him. Yeah. So he sliced him in half, ended up sliding, slicing the flute in half, and has been holding it with him the 300 years or however long it is. Yeah. And I really liked that moment of like, oh, he's been carrying that around the whole time. And we also find out that Tanjiro is connected to the brothers, as you speculated. Yeah, at week. least some way, because the brother was the guy who did sun breathing. So it was basically the basis of all the breathing techniques. And Tanjiro's dad also knows how to do it, even though they were all like, but we, we murdered everyone who could do the, like, first off, nobody but my brother could do sun breathing by itself. And so that's where all the derivative forms came off of, is he would be teaching them, they wouldn't be able to do it, so he'd change it a little bit. Oh, well, you can't do this, but maybe you can do this. And that's how they'd work out thunder breathing or wind breathing or whatever it was. But somehow Tanjiro's dad and presumably his other generations have been passing down this fire dance and that's probably how it snuck by the demons because they're like oh no we're just fire dancers and they like just kind of nah that's whatever they're learning some stupid fire dance even though that was actually all the sun breathing techniques we also find out that the brother was so strong that even muzin could not defeat him yep which probably gonna be relevant in the near future yeah i'm assuming tandro is gonna fully unlock sun breathing and He's going to be the one who fights Muzan. That would make the most sense. Yeah. So next we have Samurai 8, Chapter 22, Anne and her brother. I had a good joke about this chapter, and I've forgotten it, so hopefully it comes back to me. Oh, I remember what it was. It's not a good joke. It's a Kingdom Hearts reference. That's like a good joke. 
If you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Namine's messing with Anne this week, and she's remembering all these memories that feel like they would have come up before. You think so? I mean, I do get why they're coming up here, but it sure seems like Namine was messing with something, and that's why she's remembering now. So Anne grew up as an orphan. It's all an Anne flashback chapter, and I actually do really like it. Yeah. We find out she grew up as an orphan. She had an older brother, in air quotes, who was not related to her by blood, but he promised her mom he was going to take care of her. Yep. He wanted to be a samurai to do it. He plunged a sword in himself to try and become a samurai. It did not work out. Yep. And then Anne starts having this kind of fusion of Hachimaru and her nameless brother. Or no, it was Nanashi. Yeah. But he switched up the characters so that it was Seven Desires. And I also really like that. He was like, he goes through his seven desires, and then she's like, but that was eight. Oh, okay. Well, the eighth one's the most important. Yeah. And like I, that tied it, ties in Hachimaru. Yeah. It's like really good. It's like this person knows how to write manga or something. I know. And I don't mind that these flashbacks haven't come up before because like we haven't known Anne that long. No, I'm- definitely not. But I talked about how in contrast with Naruto, it feels like Samurai 8 was way more planned. This doesn't feel as planned. And maybe it was. Maybe I'm wrong here. I mean, it's the first real Anne-focused chapter, and I really liked it because it's all Anne's point of view and her praying to make Hachimaru stronger. And, you know, that shonen thing where the emotions make you stronger and it works out happens. But this chapter, all we really see is the emotions. Yeah, I actually I have a I have a feeling that this was really planned and this kind of like set off this culmination of things like when Anne saw Hachimaru in his new ninja outfit. Like, one of the reasons why she got so excited was he was wearing a top knot, and then that tied back into her brother, her brother being like, oh, all the samurai, a samurai wears a top knot. You can't be a samurai without one. And so, like, all these kind of little things that, like, made sense when they were coming up now make a lot more sense. And that's why she's been this determined and connected is because Hachimaru reminds her of her brother. I mean, that's a fine basis for a detraction, too. Yep. I did really like the chapter. Don't get me wrong. It just It's not even that it came out of nowhere, and I like an Anne-focused chapter because, like I've said before, I'm, I'm afraid with this writer that she might fade into the background because he doesn't have the best track record with female characters. Yeah. But I really like the chapter. Anything else you wanted to say about it? No, I, I thought it was really good. Which brings us to The Promised Neverland, Chapter 154, A Breakthrough, which is also mostly emotions just getting poured down onto the page. Yep. Except for the horror movie ending. Yeah. So, Norman admits that he wants to save people's lives, even, like, the demons he's, like, started to cause to die, but especially the Lambda kids. Yeah, but he was like, I couldn't figure out a way to do it. And so all the Lambda kids thought he was, because he was from Grace Field, he hadn't been experimented on like them, so he was going to be fine. So he had been, like, they had been, like, putting all of their burdens onto him, like, oh, don't, don't worry, boss can handle anything. So they were, like, pushing, that's how they were able to survived so long as they were like pushing all of their burden onto him and so he was really struggling with that so that's why he came up with a plan to just eradicate the demons of like all right i just i'm gonna make it safe for everybody but we're gonna end up dying and that's because we're that's what we're doing anyway yeah vincent the smart chill one is of course the one who gets super pissed at this but pretty much all the other landum guys are like yeah the boss has never done anything for himself since we met him yeah so we should support him yeah even though, you know, well, I hate the demons want them all to die, but Boss is cool, so I'll do what he says. Also, his name is Boss, according to me, so yep. got to do what he says. So they come up with a plan. Norman and the Lambda kids are going to go 
protect the base from the army that was scouting out around there. So this is definitely a thing where it's like the army just happened to be heading towards the base. Like it wasn't part of Norman's plan yeah. at all, obviously. And then there's a great bit where the they're kind of like linking all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Don and Gilda found Sonia or Sonja and Mukuji, Mukuji, however you pronounce his name. And they were like, oh, so we can like, yeah, the aristocrats are dead. We can't take that back, but we can like save the rest of the demons. Like not everyone has to die. Yeah. And then they mentioned that Adam is one of the Lambda subjects that's never had a seizure. And he hasn't, he's been with the kids for like two years at this point. And they're like, he's literally never had any problems. So like we managed to get word back and it shows the rest of the kids hanging out with Adam being like, maybe Adam ha- holds the key to saving the rest of the Lambda kids. Yeah. But then, as everything's going good, it turns out the queen is still alive, without a face, and like a horror movie monster, she jumps back up yep. to kill Norman, presumably. I mean, I'm sure he's not going to die, but yeah, that but is the cliffhanger. She jumps back up, and she, I don't know exactly how much alive she still is. Like, it's one of those weird, because like, she's missing the top half of her head. Yeah. So it might just be kind of animal instincts trying to eat something. Yeah, like a chicken. Yeah. I don't even know if that's actually true about chickens. I it, it makes sense. So next we have We Never Learn question 131. Sometimes their X is flexible. This starts with Konami Senpai showing up for study time, but there are shenanigans at study time, so she has to flash back. And by shenanigans, I mean Ogata and Yugiya are in a compromising position, whereas meanwhile, say. Sekijo, the chick who has a crush on Ogata, is face down in a pool of blood. Yep. So it's a murder mystery, except not really. Basically, Sekijo is very flexible. There is some yoga drawings of her, let's yep. say. She convinces Ogata and Yugiya to stretch together. It gets kind of sexy. A button pops, and Sekijo fall- uh, gets a nosebleed and passes out yep. from blood loss. Yep. You know, shenanigans. So she goes home. And basically, Ogata teases Konami about being jealous of her. Yeah, because they're like, well, the funny thing was, because of course the shenanigans is like, oh yeah, well, you know, I started doing it with Yugi and it was all awkward at first, but it started feeling really good towards the end there of Konami's, she's like, oh, you should do it too. And he's just like, no, I'm not ready. And then that's when they talk about doing partner stretches, which makes sense if you're going to be studying for three hours, you don't want all your muscles to cramp. Yeah. But she's like. Oh, no, I'm not ready. And then at the end, she's like, what did you mean by I'm not ready? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, because Ogata can read people now because she she's all that in herself. Yes. And that makes her good at social studies. Yep. <laughs> Which actually, as, as character development, I do kind of like. Well, um, it, it's not like she all that in herself and suddenly gained the ability to. It's she's been literally working at it yeah. for most of a year to learn how to interact with people. Yes, she definitely has been. But then she, she all that in herself and it worked. Yeah, it clicked. <laughs> well, I, I think also a lot of it was she all that in herself because it clicked. I mean, not yes, the other way definitely. Around. You can make that argument. But it's just like a very clear divide. Yes. Which brings us to Act Age, Scene 85, Opening Battle, which is also, I thought, a very good chapter. Yeah, super solid. Where basically Ogami is talking about how, for the first time, he's starting to be overshadowed. Yep. But, like, he's kind of in a... He he frames it as he's in a battle with... With K. K. For or, basically for center stage, essentially, yeah. like, for the, the audience's attention. Like, if K dominates me... The audience is terrified. 
but if I'm winning, that's how the I'm the hero I'm supposed to be winning. So I need to like, I can't believe that I'm having to work this hard to maintain the audience's attention, basically. Yeah. But it comes out really cool. Like he does a thing where he stomps on the ground kabuki theater style to get everyone's attention. I really love the bit where he does a he starts doing part of his monologue and he starts looking around the audience and everyone has this moment of like, he looked me in the eyes and then he turns to face K for the end panel. And it's like, it's me in the audience versus you. Well, what he talks about is like, you know, I have this incredible charisma, but like the thing K has that I don't is like the art loves her abstractly. Yes. But so the only way I can beat her is if I get the audience on my side. Yeah. And I really like that as metaphor for the idea of, art targeted at critics slash or art for art's sake yes versus art that's to appeal to a popular audience and trying to be commercially successful yeah it works really well the one thing i don't like about this chapter and it's a thing i just don't like about act age i found is when the people in the audience mainly the critics like explain what's going on like this is a shonen battle scene yeah it just doesn't work at all and i can't tell you why it works in say food wars and not here it, but every it, time it comes off as super clunky and it does work for me. So I think it's like, like I said, I like the bit where they're explaining when he takes the stomping step that it's like Kabuki theater and they're like drawing it into that. Like he's using Kabuki theater moves. So I do like it. It, it doesn't work as well as the stuff in food wars, but I do still like it. That brings us to hell's paradise. Chapter 73. Still no name because it's a chapter of hell's paradise. Yep. One day I'm going to figure out how to say that without feeling mega awkward. You can just stop after chapter 73. And nope, stop sounds like... mega awkward to me. Yeah, because the adding on 12 other words to the end of the title aren't super awkward as well. But, you know, that's just saying a sentence. So the samurai dude hates Tao, but starts being able to see it. Yep. That's basically it. I did not care for this Hell's Paradise chapter very much. I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was okay. It was just some fight scene and not like a awesome fight scene either yeah it was kind of just like i'm starting to awaken to the power of tau i hate the power of tau and don't wanna well i think it was mainly more it's not it's kind of like the han solo the force is stupid what are you guys talking about to be fair though han solo never becomes a jedi yeah he just gets stabbed by his son yeah, but like it, that's the approach that the samurai guy is taking with the this whole Tao thing is it's like everyone keeps telling me that this Tao thing is important, but I don't give a crap. Yeah, although I did just imagine Han like Force Ghost Han Solo being like, "I've never heard of seen anything that <laughs> suggests there's some all powerful force." That would be pretty great. I and don't then, think Harrison Ford's coming back just for that, but it would be very good. It would be hilarious, like, especially with like Ghost Han Solo, with Ray like passing her hand through him, like, <laughs> "So how do you explain this?" Shut up. Holograms. It's the future. <laughs> we have holograms everywhere. Fucking R two D two can just shoot a hologram. I'm probably a hologram, right? Yeah. So that brings us to jump card.
Jump Card is a segment where we rank everything, and there's a lot more than we talked about this week, from worst to best. So what's warm in the bottom at number 18, Kevin? At number 18, I have Tokyo Shinobi Squad. I put Mitama Security at the bottom this week. Tokyo Shinobi Squad is bad, but there were one or two good action panels in the fight scene, I thought. But boy, is this terrorist town still super dumb. Yeah, versus for me in Mintama, I like almost half laughed at a couple things. So I was like, it was more because Mintama made me go, why? And versus Tokyo Shinobi Squad, I was just like, uh, eh. I mean, that's why chapter. That's why Tokyo Shinobi is usually out of the bottom. But I did think some of the fight choreography was good. Whereas like Mintama Security, it's almost like a Detective Conan riff in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, and there's some stuff set up here that like is potentially okay, but it, I thought it was a weak chapter of Mitama Security, and even good chapters are not great. No. I assume Mitama's your 17, though? Yeah. And they, Tokyo Shinobi Squad is mine. Yeah, so we just flipped on that. Yeah. Uh, this, both are bad. Ignore them. Yes. What do you got at 16? Double Taisei. Okay. Because, so is this guy dead or not? Like, I'm still, I'm, I'm so lost now. I'm pretty sure he's dead, and we are just flashing back to the Shogi match. Yeah, but I, we, at least Ty does get the ref. Yeah, but like that's why I'm confused. It was like, haha. So did did he win? Is he dead? Is I'm he not sure dead? He's dead? Did they just pay for the gravestone early and he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna show up Dresden style and that would look be at a, his own grave? That would be a very double tie say thing to do. It would, wouldn't it? Where like he comes up and he's like, Oh, I forgot we had already paid for the tombstone. I have beast children at sixteen. Speaking of tombstones. It just seemed like a weird place to put this flashback to the player yeah. whose name I can't remember dying. Whatever. Like, I get it, but it just seemed like a really weird place to put this. Yeah. It's my number 15. I Double Dice is my number 15. Okay. So we just flipped on that, too. Yep. I I don't have much more to say about Beast Children. I agree. It's a very weird spot for this flashback. What do you have at 14? I have Haikyuu at 14. Okay. Um, the, I, it's a denouement. With a bunch of people I know nothing about. Yeah, but like it had an energy. I actually put it fairly high this week, mostly because I really like the time skip at the end, and that makes me go, "Huh, what's yeah, going to go on with this?" That that is pretty interesting, but because I haven't been super interested in it from the start, yeah. at least because we jumped in so late, the time skip doesn't affect me as much. Where it's like, "Oh no, it's years later now in Brazil." Uh, okay, I like. I realize we've been going for three hundred chapters for presumably their one season. Or maybe two, but like, I I don't have a ton of connection to these characters because I missed the kind of start for them. So like, the seniors left. Uh, okay. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at fourteen, and talk about chapters I don't really remember. I remember this like finally linking back up to the present, but yeah, I don't think I care about any of the characters in the present, well, and, and I most... found it to be kind of extraneous. Well, and the main thing that's going on here you have no clue about because it's happening to a character that you've never met. Yeah. So it went a bit higher for me because it's like, ah, cool. It's like, uh, it's not a resolution of this character's arc, but it's like, ah, it's like more stuff going on with that guy. That's pretty neat. I have Black Clover at number 13. This was just kind of... A chapter like we're going to the heart kingdom. Well, it turns out they don't let people in except these people, and we got in. Well, Astas with both his girlfriends. I actually like Black Clover this week. <laughs> I really like the Finrel thing where he's like, oh, I've got to start like being faithful to this girl I like. Why did it have to be two hot babes I'm on this mission with? And Asta. <laughs> 
three hot babes. Three hot babes, because one is a bird. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> that hot babe that sometimes is a bird. <laughs> it's, it's two hot noble babes that, and that another bird. hot babe who is a bird. <laughs> no, that, that, that bird. hot bird, yeah. yeah. And I like the villain setup. I mean, it's very fairy tale. Not the manga. The Yeah, I know what you mean. Concept. Like, I It's like not like that. I didn't like it. It just, for whatever, for a bunch of the other stuff for me, it was just, it seemed a bit better. So, like, if I were to put a break, Beast Children was where I didn't like stuff. Like, I was just yeah. kind of down. Haikyuu was just kind of mad because I didn't know what was going on, and then I liked stuff up above it. I have Hell's Paradise at 13, because I didn't care. It's just fight scene, and it's a good fight scene, which is why I put it above Jujutsu Kaisen, but... It's not a great sight scene. It's not Demon Slayer level fight scene. Yep. So I have Mission Yosakura Family at number 12. It's a resolution to this kidnapping thing. So I was <laughs> like, that. that's kind of cool. But like, I didn't find anything particularly funny about it. Or I didn't like super connect with any of the action sequences. So like it was it was pretty good. But that, that was about it. I put Chainsaw Man at 12. I really liked all the beginning stuff, like the Denji and Coffee Girl, whose name I can't remember. I don't know that we know it. I think she introduced herself. Maybe, but this is also Chainsaw Man, so it's totally possible that Denji did not ask and she never gave it. So I like them screwing around in the school, but then this chapter ended exactly how I knew this arc was going, and boy, do I not really want this arc to go this way. I'm here to murder you. Yeah, it was my number... 11, so I, I had very similar feelings. I had Dr. Stone at 11. It had some good stuff in it, some good, ah, oh, my friend, he's in danger. But it's also just like, hey, that plan we have, still the plan. Yep. Let's go do a plan. Yeah. So I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 10. I liked it a bit more because we get some more on that character that we haven't seen in a while, who is the like puppet controller dude. Who specifically he lives in the basement of the school because he's so horribly cursed he can't like be outside of this healing tank thing. So he controls puppets to fight, which is a neat concept. And it also shows why he's been the mole helping out the bad guys because they're able to fix him. And like even he knew he was like, I'm I'm kind of doing a bit wrong here, but like I want to be fixed and they're going to try and murder me afterwards. But I'm like prepared for that. But I'm going to be fixed first. Because they made like a, you know, kind of like a magical binding contract. Like I did no, like you that can't... bit. Yeah. Like, like if we go back on it, something bad will happen to us. And we don't know what. So yeah, it's not worth the risk. They mention it's uh, unlike a personal vow where you'll, at the worst you'll only lose what you gave up in the vow. It kind of reminds me of Hunter Hunter yeah. abilities. Limit. Yeah, limit ability. Like... But it's like a limit someone else has placed on you. I yeah. definitely like the concept. Yeah, and I thought that was cool, so. Where are we, number 10? 10. I have Haikyuu at 10. Because, like, like I said, the time skip forward got me kind of interested, and I feel like what Haikyuu has needed for us is a fresh start. So, yeah. we're, we've got a very clean break here. Yep. I have you at Kimio at number 9. I do as well. I like this chapter fairly well, but it's yeah. a lot of fight scene, and I like the fight, like the character's powers, but a lot of the fights I feel are not, they're a little messy. The choreography yeah. is not great. The action's not, like, impossible to follow, but it's harder than it should be. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm starting to enjoy it more. It seemed pretty good. I saw, like, Kito being a, an oblivious idiot. Yes, that's that's good. It's a good sell. Yep. And the girl's got to be badasses, so yep. that's good, too. <laughs> oh, you're a ninja master? Well, you'll never defeat a girl, boss. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. The, that OP class. Overbalanced. 
All right, so for number eight, I had Hell's Paradise. I just liked it a bit better than you, I guess. Like I, I don't, I didn't like any particular aspect of it. I kind, I guess I do kind of like the, like in my mind, it's the Han Solo. I don't believe in the Force because he's a samurai, so he's used to living by the sword. And somebody explaining, it'd be like somebody explaining to him through the powers of faith, you can cause miracles. And it's like, yeah, 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 whatever. I have Black Clover at number eight. Because, again, I like this new villain they're setting up. Mm-hmm. And I also like Asta being with his three girlfriends. <laughs> because that's what I want in my shonen manga. Three girls fighting over a boy so I can ship them all. And while the main focus is on fighting. Yes. I think I will like it more when the actual fighting's going on. I The the funeral bit where he's like, I can't believe what, you know, I'm supposed to be loyal to this girl. Why am I on here with these three hot babes? And Asta. And Asta. <laughs> So I have Dr. Stone at number seven. I really liked the bit with whatever the glasses guy name is kind of being like, don't worry, I'll lead the charge. Yeah. Kind of like. Ginro. Is his name Ginro? I thought. I thought he was Ginro. Maybe Ginro is the. Yeah, I thought Ginro was the injured guy. You might be right. But, you know, I'll lead the charge, uh, even though that, like, that's the most dangerous thing and I might end up dying. Like, it's, it's all to save my friend. Yeah, that's good stuff. I had Mission Yuzakura family at number seven, because unlike you, I would actually say that like everything below that I didn't super love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't super love Mission Yuzakura family either. Like you said, nothing was particularly funny in it, and I feel like it's at its best when it's funny. Yeah, but or the, at least has funny bits in it. But the action was all well drawn, easy to follow, and the emotional bits. Like, there are things I've seen a thousand times in shonen manga, but they did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I have my hero at number six. Me as well. Because it's good feels, but yep. that's all. It's like, hey, do you want to feel good? Watch yeah. the anime, kids. Well, and that's the, the kind of like the top bracket of like, yeah, it was good, but it's kind of like the bottom of the top bracket today because it was just kind of like, yeah, cool art. Yeah. And some some good feels. I, we, we never learn at number five. Me too. It was it's funny. Just, yeah. It was cute. Funny. Oga- I liked uh, Ogata's character development. It's good. O- Ogata's character development and Konami's character development were both of them uh, kind of, or Ogata being like, Konami, are you jealous? What? No, of course not. Like she's like finally starting to realizing it, realize it for herself that all this teasing hasn't all been one way. Yeah. Also, swerve murder mystery. No, it's it's just the nosebleed direction. It's fine. Yeah. Girls get those two, right? Yes. Well, I mean, that's kind of the joke is that yeah, uh, yeah. she she acts like the typical young man in those kind of animes. So I have Demon Slayer number four. Hey, me too. I, it was really solid. I liked the conclusion to this little flashback arc. I was like, I really liked the emotions running through it. I I really liked the bit where he had been carrying the flute. Like, it was his flute that he gave to his brother that then got back from his brother when he died and has been carrying it around for, like, the 300 years or however long it's been. Yeah. That was good. And then I really liked the Tanjiro reveal, too. Like, that way that hooks in. Yeah. I'm really curious to see if we get any more on that front. Yep. So I have Act Agent number three. Hey, guess what? Me too. Like when we were talking about it, I really liked this chapter of Act Age. It was really that art versus audience thing. Yeah. That really works for me, but all of it was good. Yeah. And I just, I I like the emotional bits of the audience kind of getting behind Ogami and like them mentioning he's been, he's like changing up the choreography, like he swapped their positions and he's doing all this other stuff to try and like 
take back the stage from her because her presence is just so powerful. So I have the Promised Neverland at number two. Me as well. <laughs> all right. So top six, exactly the same. Yeah, the, the stuff I liked, we all agree on. Yep. I The emotional bits in this were great. I even, it's not like I enjoy the horror movie ending, but I think it's a cool point of tension that it's like, oh no, the queen's not actually dead. Yeah, I mean, I am a horror movie guy and that's a, that's a classic. I am not a horror movie guy, but even I understand why that's a classic. And like every now and again, I like it. And like I said, I like this as a bit of tension because it's that it's that horror movie moment because it but because it isn't in a horror movie, it's not cliched kind of. Yeah. Or it feels less cliched because this hasn't been a horror movie. So it's like just the bit of tension. It happens all the time. The bad guy isn't actually dead. Yep. Frieza did it like six times. Yep. So number one is Samurai 8, because that's that good, good shonen shit. Woo, man, yeah. That was, I read that, because I think that when I, the order I was reading in, it was like the third or second chapter that I read, and I was like, that's going at the top of the list. And then nothing knocked it off. Yeah. And it, it was just one of those, yeah, that was just super solid. I really liked the connections Anne's making between her brother and Hachimaru, and like, that's why their emotional bond because the samurai, the other princess is noting their emotional bond feels so strong. And it's because Anne is not substituting projecting. Hachimaru. Yeah, but projecting her brother on Hachimaru. So that's why they're much closer than they should be for somebody who just met five days ago. Mm -hmm. And I really like that they have to be a unit. It's a good idea. It's a good way to keep the girl involved in the action. Do kind of wish she was more fighty, but a different character can take that up in the future. We're only on chapter 22. Yep. Yeah, and I also like the bit where Hachimaru's blade starts cutting through the other samurai's soul. And he's yeah. like, I can't believe it. He's actually cutting through my soul. Like, it was just really cool. All right. I think that does it for a jump card this week. Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't super impressed by most of it, but the top six were all pretty solid. Yeah, the top six were definitely solid. I still liked... Most of it, like it wasn't the best stuff ever, but I was. It was really just the the bottom three that I typically don't like that I didn't like. Even Haikyuu, I like. It was kind of in that gray area of well, this would be a much better Denouement if I knew who any of these people were. All right, so we're gonna come back and talk about PTSD Radio after the break. Nope. <laughs> So we read PTSD Radio this week, which is a weird volume, so this might be a very short episode. We'll see. I do not have much to say about this, so probably. To be fair, I feel like I have a lot to say about it, okay. but we'll see if that's actually true or not. So what did you think of it, Kevin? It's weird. Yes, it's true. It's got, I think, really good craft to it, mostly in its pacing. It's a very breezy manga, or at least I felt that Yes, way. and that, so I'm not a horror fan, so I do not appreciate the craft of it as much. Like, I kind of, I kind of noticed it. You know, like, oh, this is kind of an interesting concept to come to this. 
Um, I was really talking about the comics work more than the horror work. Like how often he just will cut to a completely black page. Well, it, it's never a completely. Well, well there's, there's two of them that are. Com- on I, the, I, are there? I think they're all have at least some text on them, but. No, the pictures with the the face. Yeah. Like slowly creeping in. I think the first one is completely black and then there's like a tiny sliver of like skin and then it like keeps coming up. I think there are quite a few that are completely black. I think all the ones in the first chapter, which like most manga is longer than the other ones because it's a pilot. I think all of those are black, but then it starts like revealing that it's a face yeah. and the black is all just hair. Yeah. Which I think is also very good. But even early on that like staccato cut to black hard cutting, I think yep. really helps create a mood. Yeah, it, it it does. I was just not a fan of the mood it created. So I gotcha. All, this is all anthology sort of stories, sort of. They all feel tied together, though. Well, yeah, and my understanding is the longer it goes, the more they tie together. Yeah. But it's, like, real hard to get a grasp on a character because they're shifting so often. Yeah, there are it. what it feels like at least a couple characters, but we're doing a bunch of time jumping as well as shifting back and forth between stories. So it's hard to tell if I just think they kind of look similar or if they're the same person. And sometimes they use names. So you know that they're the same person yeah, or ideas. And I think that's intentional to make it so it's difficult to grasp onto anything to give you a sense of unease, but it also does make the story somewhat difficult to grasp. Yeah. That's like I said, I appreciate that about it uh, because I feel like, it, like I said, for me, it was really effective. I feel like I was constantly in the mood he wanted me to be in. Mm-hmm. But because that was confusion, sometimes I was just kind of lost. And like you said, it's clear it's tying together, though. And that's, I think, a big part of the hook. Yeah. Like, I, I understand what this is going for. I can appreciate that it's doing it well. I just don't want to bite the bait. So I wasn't interested. I mean, I, I'm kind of in a similar spot. I, at the end, I wasn't like, oh, I really want to read another one. But I was kind of like, oh, that's over already? Which is one of the, the downsides about using completely black pages. Yeah. Is that, you're, well, I shouldn't even say downside, because it might be completely intentional. But that burns through page real estate. We talk about how action takes up pages so fast, and that's your limit in a comic book. Yep. Do it, just a full cut to black like that takes up even more. Yeah. I guess I didn't have that much to say about PTSD radio. Yeah, like, I knew I wasn't going to have much to say about it simply because it's not my cup of tea. It's also, like, it's hard. I would have to, like, be reading through it to explain the plot because there's not even really a plot. It's a bunch of short horror stories. And if this has a weakness, I don't think any of those are particularly effective. Yeah, they, they all tie to this hair god, which I'm assuming is the picture that's rising up the face yeah. that's coming out. And so, like, everything seems to be tied to this hair god thing. Because, like, there's the woman who's constantly getting her hair pulled, the people getting their, like, it entangled. There are these, like, black hands. There's all this stuff going on about this black hair. So, like, everything seems to be tied together. But it's like, okay. But, and... I'm just not a horror fan, so I can't really get into it. Versus Tokyo Ghoul at least had some stuff that I could get into as a non-horror fan. I feel like this is the first horror manga we've read that's actually going for horror. Yeah. Like, Parasite is way more sci-fi. Tokyo Ghoul is basically a shounen that's kind of That's got a horror theme. Yeah. Yeah, we've read a lot of horror-themed stuff. This is one of the first true horror 
manga that we've read. And I would agree with that. And part of the reason for that is, I, like I said, I'm not a horror fan in general. So, like, I know there's a bunch of, like, black comedy and horror that goes on. Not a bunch, but there's some of that. Like, I remember Crunchyroll was airing this black comedy show that I watched a couple episodes of and was like, no, not not for me. Just not not what I like watching. Yeah, and I'm a big horror movie guy specifically, but horror movies and horror manga and even Japanese horror and American horror are, are completely different. Yeah, yeah, are at very different poles. Although this doesn't super remind me of something like Ringu, other than like visually, they both got the long hair thing going. So they're both pulling from very visual or from very similar visual traditions in Japan. Well, and it's also the it, a lot of Japanese horror is more tied around like spirits and spirituality. I, more. I mean, that's pretty common in America, too. But America does like their slashers, too. Yeah. And they'll they'll have a lot of more, like, supernatural things. But the Japanese, it, it just it feels more religious. Yeah, definitely here. we It's a hair god. And all, some of what we see is one of the stories that kind of connects is we see these kids, like, dig up this box, basically, and with a bunch of seals on them, and they break them. And all they yep. see in it is hair. And then later we see a funeral. Well, and they all get entangled in the hair. Yeah. Like it like shoots out and wraps them up. Not like completely covering them, but like kind of like entangling in their fingers and then it, you know, cuts away. Yeah. And like much later we see a grandma explaining to her kid that they're, they cut off their, her mom's hair so the god could find it and take her where she needs to be. And they put all these seals on it so that no one but the god would be able to tamper with it. Yep. And the kid's like, hey, what will happen if someone messes with the seals? Like, well, the, the god will be angry at them, and they deserve what they get. Yep. Yeah. And then there was the sequence where there's this, what I assume is this long black tendril of hair reaching up into this kid's grandfather's house, and this human-shaped lump traveling down it, and the kid kind of, like, stopping it. And then we cut to him, you know, 15, 20 years later, and... It shows the spirit hanging out in the room and the kid being like, at first I was terrified about this hair thing, but it was actually just helping my grandfather pass on kind of thing. Like a lot of these things seem like horror stories, but some of it is more you are messing with something that, oh, no, there's this evil demon trying to kidnap my grandfather when it was actually just like, no, I was just helping him pass along to the afterlife. And now you fucked it up. So he's just sitting there in his room being creepy. <laughs> well, although that's kind of a shadow, too, and I kind of feel like the son's the only one who can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not saying his grandfather was just stuck in the room, but, like, the son feels the remorse of having messed with the natural flow of thing, even though I do like it when stories kind of do that, where it's like, you know, somebody comes along, oh, no, this is unnatural and unholy, and it's like, no, it's actually completely natural, just, like, you keep trying to put this bright, positive spin on everything. So, like, you expect your angels to look like angels, even though that's not necessarily what they look like. In the Bible, angels look more like they do in Evangelion than they do in traditional depictions of angels. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. And like I said, I really appreciate the craft of PTSD radio. Yeah, it was it was interesting, just not something that I'm interested in. Yeah, and it it doesn't have a character to latch onto. And again, I think that's intentional, mm -hmm. but it makes it real hard to follow. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about it? Not particularly. All right.
So that brings us to Personality Power Level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality Power Level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the very top, we have Uzumaki Naruto from Naruto. At the very bottom, we have that guy who isn't Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. We have 49 entries on the list, so the next one will be number 50. But like we were just talking about, there's kind of not really any characters in PTSD radio, at least not yet. Like, there's maybe two, maybe, but like nothing. It's all about this hair god. Yeah, and who has said nothing and like we, it's not even really clear like, if it's, it's the one same thing. Yeah, or, if it's the same thing, if there's multiple ones of them, who knows? Yeah. So instead, since we're at a milestone number 50, each of us are going to pick a character from manga we've read for this podcast, and we're just going to rank them. So I'm going to let Kevin start so he gets number 50. All right. Who do you want to rank, Kevin? For number 50, I'm going to rank Genos from One Punch Man. Okay, Genos, the cyborg from One Punch Man, who is kind of the straight man to Saitama's not straight man. (laughs) He's Saitama's the oblivious man. Yeah, but like Saitama is also the joke. Genos is playing the genre completely straight, right? For the most part, yes. Like, he's mostly the straight man, but he's not like... He's not a stick in the mud. Yes, but like, that, that's what I was trying to say. He's not a stick in the mud. And like, he's so earnest because he wants to, you know, he's the... My parents were killed by this evil cyborg, and so I'm trying to track him down and become stronger so that I can defeat him. And he ends up meeting Saitama... And he is able to recognize that Saitama is the most powerful person he's ever met. And so he's like, I want to be your disciple. I want to learn how to be stronger. And Saitama doesn't know how he did it. So at this point, he's just kind of following him around and like hoping he'll figure it out. Like that even happened in the the second volume. Yeah. Yeah. With the House of Evolution, where Saitama explains what training he did. And uh, Genos is like, even Saitama doesn't know how he got so strong. But maybe by studying him, I can figure it out. Yeah. So we have to start with Saitama. And Saitama's kind of a boring character, but I weirdly find myself almost leaning towards putting Genos below him. I assume you're going to try to talk me out of that, and I think you're going to be successful. Yeah, I I actually really like Genos as a character. One of the things that I like is he's, he's yes, he's extremely earnest, and he always goes into fights expecting to completely crush his enemies. In almost every single one of his fights, he leaves himself open and gets destroyed because of it. He's like, aha, I've managed to defeat you in one blow. Only he didn't really, and they were like hiding under the rubble. But recently he started to show a bit of character growth where he's realized, like, I am constantly doing that. I am, and he'll even remark on it, like, I left myself open again. Like, he realizes it's his own fault. And so he's kind of been working on fixing, okay. I can't let my guard down that, you know, the last four times that I got beat by these villains that Saitama had to come in and beat were because I was fighting them, let my guard down. And then they sucker punched me essentially because I thought I had won. And so I need to like finish what I've started. And so in one of the more recent fights, he like actually does where he's like, no, I'm not, we're not ending it here. I'm going to keep fighting until, until you're actually dead. So how do you think he compares to Speed of Sound Sonic, then? I like him more than Sonic, simply because he shows up a lot more. And this isn't happened in the manga, but there's this great straight man bit in one of the OVA episodes where so Saitama gives him the keys to the apartment 
So he holds out his hand at this 90 degree angle. And then for the rest of the episode, his hand is at that 90 degree angle. <laughs> Even though the keys get stolen or like lost or stolen at one point, he literally runs around the entire time with his hand just stuck in that angle. Like I've been given a gift by my master. I must, you know, keep track of this. <laughs> it's just super funny. So a little bit above Sonic, we have Ichigo from Bleach, who's our normal punching bag. But again, I kind of think Genos goes below a more genuine shonen protagonist. Yeah, I that's... Mean, Ichigo is one with a lot of problems, but... No, and that's totally fair. Like I said, Genos has just recently started to show some character growth. Like, I still really like his character. I really like his his fighting style and what he brings to the One Punch Man table, which is a lot of, like, a big thing with Saitama's character is that it's Saitama and Genos kind of playing off one another that really works really well. So... Genos just on his own probably doesn't stand up quite as well as Ichigo. All right. So the final question is, is he better or worse than Sena from iShield 21? I have a feeling you're going to say better, and I don't really have an argument against that. Yeah. I, my main reasoning for saying better is that I barely know Sena. Like, I'm sure I would like him. I'm not sure I would like him more, but I would probably like him more if I had read more than just the single volume. But I really like Genos. Also because of the fact that it's the Genos and Saitama and all the other characters kind of like interacting together that make the manga really fun to read. So Genos will go at number 29, above Sena and below Ichigo. Okay, so for my pick, I am going to take Ryunosuke from The Last Sayuki. Okay. Because we are probably never going to rank him, except for in a circumstance like this. Makes sense. And I want to pay some tribute to that series that was gone before its time. Yeah. Ryunosuke's a good, good shonen boy. Yes. I don't think he's as good as our top shonen boys, Naruto and Midoriya. No. Maybe he could have been if he got a chance to bloom, but he did not. The thing is that he kind of suffers from the protagonist problem, and that most of the characters around him are more interesting, like Estelle and his sister to a degree. Yeah. I don't know if he's better than Goku, who is the other Journey from the West super-inspired character. Part of that is Goku just got more time to grow and become a super saiyan yeah that is one of the problems with ryanosuke is we didn't get much of a chance to see anything with ryanosuke like we really liked him but he doesn't get much character growth because you can't have much character growth in 19 chapters i would probably put him with asta from black clover sure but i will let you no that that's totally fair i still like i said i still really like him and i really like his kind of emotional moments of just, I need to, you know, I need to bond with my sister to get stronger kind of thing. Like, no, I'm going to protect you as your big brother. Versus a lot of time, Asta is more of the kind of joke shonen. Like, he's more of a comedy-focused shonen protagonist versus Ryanosuke is more serious. A right above Asta, a character that actually straddles that line very well, is Sakuragi Hanamachi from Slam Dunk. And weirdly, my... Even though we've barely read any slam dunk, my instinct is to put Ryanosuke below him. Yeah, he does seem he does seem really interesting. So I, I could go with that gut instinct as well. Okay, so Ryanosuke will go at number 21 above Asta and below Sakuragi Hanamachi. So that brings our list up to 51 entries. Uh, and just to go over it real quick, since it's a pretty short episode, we have Uzumaki Naruto at number one. At number 10, we have Guts from Berserk. At number 20, we have Sakuragi Hanamachi from Slam Dunk. 
At number 30, we have Genos from One Punch Man. At number 40, we have Yo from Shaman King. At number 50, we have Saburu Natsuki from ReZero. And at the very bottom, we have that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Please give us a crappier character so I do not have to say that every week. Yeah. So what are we going to read next week, Kevin? To round out the spooky month that you love so much. I'm trying to remember the name. Magical Girl Apocalypse. You think I would remember that? You think I would have as well. So, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be reading a manga called Magical Girl Apocalypse. I don't know. It seems kind of drawn out. I feel like we should have just read Madoka Magica if we wanted a depressing Magical Girl story, but I guess that's an anime and not a manga. Also, this is not necessarily a depressing Magical Girl thing and more of a horror magical girl thing it's like that's what i've garnered from the fact that since i'm not a horror fan i haven't read any when i was looking for horror manga to potentially pick that's one that came up and weirdly my feeling was this is too pandering to me i don't want to pick it but you did yes so we'll see and maybe i will be pleasantly surprised because that's not necessarily a fair first impression to have but it's definitely the one i did Mm -hmm. so that's what we're going to be reading next week. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. If you want to support the podcast, a five-star review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice would really mean a lot to us. That's the easiest way for some other people to find us. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of manga podcasts, so if we get a few reviews, it could really help us grow. So we would really appreciate that. Anything you want to plug this week, Kevin, besides all the animes? Yeah, all the animes. I still, I've been on a trip, so I haven't actually gotten a chance to watch anything except the My Hero. Me too. I haven't been on a trip. I decided I was going to watch all of Super Dimensional Fortress of the Cross, so I've only watched My Hero. Gotcha. Yeah, I've got uh, quite a lot of stuff on the back burner that I'm kind of like, what I'm going to do is bounce around instead of trying, because I'm trying to watch a couple of series on Netflix. So I'm like, oh, instead of like binge watching it, I'll like watch an episode, then watch an episode of this, then watch an episode of this, then watch like not all at once, but that's kind of how I'll bounce around watching things. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Gotta stop.